Lord, I want to thank you for the message that you prepared in Chris's heart this week, Lord. I thank you that he's been faithful in preparation. And Lord, I just want to pray over the sermon this morning, Lord. And we just pray that these words, Lord, will fall on good soil. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that um, when we apply your word to our lives, Lord, we can experience freedom and change. Um, I just want to pray, Lord, over the word. And I pray, Lord, that you remove any distractions that may stop us this morning, Lord, from hearing what you want to say through Chris. And I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you will help us to not only hear your word, Lord, but put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. morning, Long Jetty Church family. Here we are on a beautiful Sunday morning, blessed by God's grace. For me, uh, this is being pre-recorded earlier in the week because Tasha, Dada and myself uh, find a time in life where we are asked to stay home for 14 days. And through this process, wow, isn't God revealing so many new and interesting things to us? Might touch on that as we go along. But it's been my honour and blessing to be asked to share the message with you this morning. And I've been praying and I've been asking God to help me find the words to share with you this morning. So if you join me in a short moment of prayer, I really just want to surrender and ask for God's will to be done in these moments that we have together. My dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that it will bless the hearts of the people to turn towards you, Lord, to question the things in life, Lord, that keep us separated from experience the fullness of your life, Lord. I pray for anything that is between me and you right now, Lord. Please forgive me. Let me lay those things aside, uh, that this may, message may be given for your glory, Lord, and to invite people to explore deeper and deeper their relationship with you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bless us Lift us up in these moments, Lord, into your presence, that we can hear from you, Lord, and I pray that you will prepare our hearts to receive your word and be ready to apply it into our lives. Please bless us today in your precious and holy name, Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, today I want to talk about how we can cope with, how we deal with temptations in this life, how we face temptation. And I would uh, also ask that you forgive me that I'm using uh, my daughter's change table as the uh, pulpit thing this morning. <laughs> so it's a very interesting um, atmosphere, but I do believe God can work through it in all situations. And this is one of these moments. So uh, bear with me. I'll work through my notes and my papers here. But I do believe that we can share a special word with you today. So how do we deal and cope with the temptations we face in this life. We want to look today at the model for this that Jesus has given us in his early ministry when he was tempted, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days. And I'm going to share that story with you. I'm going to pick out some of the background, some of the history, because I really want to focus in on how does Jesus respond to the temptations of this world and what can we learn from those experiences, what can, what has God revealed to us in the Bible about this? So three things I really want to focus on today um, is the process of renewal. A process of renewal that we go through when we come into a relationship with God through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
I'm going to talk about reconciliation, okay? Our reconnection with God, the restoration, so the renovation of our soul, the renewing of our mind. And three, the transformation, the outward change that is visible to the natural eye. So the change that people see in our life because of our encounter with Jesus, because of our relationship with him. Because once we get connected to God and allow him to tear down our own will, he starts to rebuild his will for our life. Once the renovation takes place and we're willing to walk in the change, and becoming willing to the change, may I say, can be a difficult part of the process. Many of us are allergic to change, as it might be said. The ways of the world follow us, trying to get us to keep things as they were in the old life. But when Jesus comes into our life, the old life is gone and the new has come. And that's what we want to focus in, how we can keep these things from the world distracting us from enjoying the fullness of our relationship with God. So temptation, what am I talking about here? Temptation is anything that leads us away from following Jesus. Anything that stops us from following God's will in our life to become more like the Son. God is molding us into the image of His Son. What process of renewal do we need to go through in our own life to be more like Jesus? These are the questions that I ask as I start to think about how I approach and deal with the temptations I face in this life. What are some of those things you may say? Well, let me share some personal examples. The temptation it is to shy away from sharing my faith. The temptation to judge other people based on what I see, even though I don't know the full story, I don't have any idea what it's like to walk for a moment in another person's shoes. Getting angry and frustrated with things and allowing that response that I give to situations and especially to people to be based on those things. And these are, these are just some of the temptations we may face. Maybe you want to take a moment now to put some of the temptations, you want to name some of those temptations in the chat this morning as a way to start letting other people in this faith community know what you're working on, what you're facing in these days and what you want to work on, what you want to ask God to work on in your life to rebuild and restore. So let's read through. Um, we're going to open up the Bible. We want to look at God's Word in the book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament. And we're looking very early on in chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. So just right before this, we hear about the baptism of Jesus. John has prepared the way for the one who is to come, the one that will baptize not just with water, but with fire of the Holy Spirit, the one who he is unworthy to tie even the sandals on his feet. And in these moments when Jesus fulfills that requirement to uh, be baptized by water, to repent, um, we hear God say, this is my son. He makes a declaration of who Jesus is and he lets everybody know that he is well pleased with him. And then we pick up in chapter 4 in the temptation of Jesus. So if you want to follow along in your Bible there. Then Jesus 
was led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you, if you are the Son of God, tell these, breads to these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you may not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. And he said, all this I will give to you if, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And in another translation, it says the devil left him uh, for another, another time, another appropriate time to come with this temptation. The tempter came to him. So some of these words were reve are revealed to us about who it is, the enemy of our soul in this world, the devil, Satan, the tempter, the accuser, the one that comes to us and questions not only our character, but challenges us to question the character of who God is and his purposes in this world. You notice he says twice, if you are the son of God. So attacking his identity, command these stones to be turned into bread. Throw yourself down. Do something to make God prove who you are. And the last one. When those two things fall down, he says, okay, I'll give you everything. Give you all the desires of the world if you'll fall down and worship me. I wonder what those things are in our life that tempt us. That say, let's compromise on our values. Let's fall down and worship this thing. Let's follow this way instead of God's way. Maybe some of those things you want to Jot down in the chat as we go along. Start to name them out. Start to name the things that get in the way of our relationship with God. We really want to hone in here on how Jesus responds. Because it can provide for us a model of how we can respond when temptations of this life come. How we can face these challenges. So Jesus responds that man shall not live by bread alone. And then interestingly enough, the devil actually quoted Jesus back some scripture. And as we dig deeper into these verses, um, a lot of the time I spent preparing this message was actually in the verses that are, that are quoted here and underpinned. And I really want to step into that because understanding some of this historical background and context gives us a greater understanding of just 
how and why Jesus responded in the way that he did. What God has already revealed to us through stories earlier on in the Bible. And I love that uh, final quote from Jesus. You shall worship the Lord your God and only him you shall serve. What needs to stop in my life so that I can serve him and only him? How can I worship and bring glory and honour to the Lord my God, my Saviour, in all that I do? So, as I mentioned, we've had a look um, into some of the research as to where Jesus' response, where, where they're quoted from. And we, we find ourselves uh, towards the um, end of and the early um, chapters of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. We see the story of Moses leading the people um, out of Egypt, well, God bringing the people out of Egypt, and God using Moses as their leader uh, to take them through their time in the wilderness in order to bring them to the promised land. And all of Jesus' responses, responses are based on the sermon Moses gave to the people after they'd been wandering into the, in the desert for 40 years, before they could enter what was known to them, the promise of entering the eternal land, uh, the promised land. So what lessons can we learn from their temptations and from the way Jesus uh, dealt with those same temptations that the devil had given him? To question God, to question his character, to question his purposes. See, one of the many temptations we face is asking if God is doing right by me. See, hard times seem to offer strong evidence that God is not on our side. That somehow, if God wants me to trust him, then maybe he better improve my circumstances and direct the course of my life better. The fact that we ask such questions is not surprising. The Bible tells us our troubles are intended to raise such questions. But God has an agenda for us and high on that list is his intention that we each confront this issue of God's character. Raising this question is part of our learning process. It's, what, it's, it's how he moulds us into the image of his son Jesus. And even Jesus confronted this question when Satan tempted him three times in the wilderness. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we see one of the scriptures that Jesus used, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. The eventuation of that verse says, as you tested him at Massah. And my response was, well, what happened at Massah? What was that all about? What did the people do to test God at this place? And this then gives us an understanding why after 40 years later, God's saying, don't repeat the same old mistake. Don't do the same thing that you did back there. Don't put God to the test. So what were they, what, what was he talking about? He was talking about their grumbling about water back in Exodus chapter 17. They, they got to a point and they said, is God with us or not? Being led out of slavery, 400 years of slavery, being led away from that old life into something new. They'd seen the great miracles of God, 
um, Pharaoh being delivered, uh, they being delivered out of Pharaoh's hand, the parting of the Red Sea, and they find themselves in the desert. God gave them food to eat, gave them everything that they needed. And he also promised to do great things in their future. But yet, all they were focused about was the present moment. The problem at hand was focused on, we've got no water. What are we going to do? A reasonable reaction given the lack of the water. Anyone's natural reaction to, may be to worry. But Israel had much more evidence from the past that God was powerful and trustworthy. They had great promises that the future would be wonderful. Why was the present situation so worrisome? Because at the heart of the people, they did not trust God. And I wonder if that's half of our trouble in these moments of difficult circumstance, in these moments of uncertainty, that deep in our heart, we have trouble trusting God. Is this still a problem for us today? What are we going to do to work through this? What are we going to do to get honest and get real with God and come to trust him? See, they gave no thought to what God had done in the past, nor for what he promised for the future. They only focused on their lack of water in the present. Like so many of us, can't we do the same things? We can forget all the miracles we've seen God work in our lives. We can forget about all the promises of his word for a hope for a future. And I can find myself sitting in that boat, questioning my current circumstances, questioning in my heart whether I can trust God to see me through. And if I'm only focused on those circumstances, which are now, they're lacking, just as Israel did, I can find myself putting God to the test by asking him, why has he brought me here? How can this be part of his purposes? I don't get it. I don't understand. But by asking this question is what I'm really saying is that God can't be trusted. That's not the place I want to be. And I don't know about you, but if you're in this place and you want to get out of there, let's continue digging in. Let's dig deeper. To look at this place that he's brought us into and like the Israelites I can say if God were you know to apologize and just make my circumstances better then maybe I'll be willing to forgive him and follow him again but they tested him by saying is the Lord among us the lack of water caused this question and for many of us there's lack of something in our lives that makes us question, is God with us? Is he among, among us? Is he in my life? God couldn't really be here, he couldn't really be powerful and trustworthy because if he did, he would change my circumstances. He wouldn't bring me out to this barren wilderness. But the truth of the matter is that God is with us. It should be settled already in our hearts and in our minds. Maybe that's what we need to do today to get that matter settled. He's here and he's working in a powerful and a loving way. 
Instead, we allow each new difficulty that comes to raise this question all over and over again. Questioning God's power and his goodness, just as Israel did. They tested him by asking him to prove his faithfulness all over again. And this is where, years later, Moses looks back. This event where they were grumbling about their water, their lack of provision in that circumstances. And he warns the people, don't put the Lord your God to the test. And this is the verse that Jesus uses when Satan tempts him in the wilderness. He says, I will not put the Lord my God to the test. He is trustworthy and he is powerful. And I'll put my hope and my faith in him. And that's what we can pick up there from Jesus. Jesus was facing the same situation that Israel faced in the wilderness. And like Israel, Jesus could look back on God's kindness in the past. Only 40 days earlier, the voice of God had announced from heaven that Jesus was his beloved son. And like Israel, Jesus had great promises for God concerning his future. As the son of God, Jesus was promised that he would rule over creation, sitting at the right hand of the father. No human being has ever been promised such a glorious future. But like Israel, Jesus' present circumstances were difficult. Instead of being carried off to glory, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he faced great hunger and hardship. Imagine it. God's promise to make you the king of the world. And instead he takes you into the wilderness to starve. Certainly Jesus faced the very real temptation to question the Father's goodness. Jesus faced the same question that Israel had faced. Why has God brought me here? And like Israel, Jesus could have been asking, is God with me or not? But Jesus didn't need to answer to that question. He knew already. He trusted the Father in his heart. Yes, the Father had led him into the wilderness and afflicted him with the hunger and the lack, but Jesus knew that God was with him. He didn't need him to prove himself. God had proven himself in the past and he made great promises for the future. And Jesus looked at his difficult present circumstances and said, the Father has nothing to prove to me. And maybe that's part of your journey today to surrendering that your heavenly father has nothing to prove to you that you are right where he wants you to be no matter the circumstance he's with you he's for you and he's trustworthy so let's look at you and i in the wilderness like israel like jesus you and i are on a journey through the wilderness for many of us that is our current lockdowns and situations that cause us to be in places that we wouldn't choose for ourselves, and we can look back on God's kindness in the past each of us has personal ways that God's blessed us in this life and I wonder if that's where we can start to put a few new uh, words in the chat now just just a brief how has God blessed you in your life a few words a short testimony let's share that together this morning most importantly, we have the Bible to tell us of God's great love demonstrated on the cross of Christ. This is the greatest act of love that's ever been committed. 
Jesus' death on the cross for us. His sacrifice so that we could be in relationship with God. We have every reason to believe in God's goodness towards us. We have great promises from God about our future. God's people have been promised an eternal life of righteousness, forgiveness of sin, hope for an eternal destination with the Lord. Today, our present circumstances may be difficult, friends. We may be in times of suffering and hardship. We may be struggling with sin. We may have had situations where we've let people down or they've let us down. Life can be painful and disappointing. And we're often led to ask this question, why has God brought me here? But as Moses has taught us, as Jesus reminds us, do not put God to the test. To test God means much more than trying to get him to do a miracle. To test God is to insist that he prove himself to prove that he's trustworthy. To test God is to look at today's circumstances and say, a loving God would never let me suffer in this way. God has shown us that he's with us. He has nothing to prove to us. Let us take this time to lay that aside, to look at who God is. Israel and Jesus were not in the wilderness by accident, friends, and we're not where we are right now by accident, but by the grace of God, by the will of God. God had led them there to the wilderness, and neither is it an accident when life pushes hard at us today, friends. We can, if we choose, interpret our trouble as God's indifference, but we would be wrong because God loves us. He uses our troubles to confront us with the spiritual issues that are going on in our hearts, in our lives. Things that we would rather ignore. Our eternal destiny is riding on the choices that we make today. And how we respond to the temptations of this life. Will we trust God in the midst of our troubles when we're faced with temptation? Or will we put God to the test? I want to encourage you today, friends, to take some time in these verses. Don't just take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Ask God to reveal to you those areas of your life that you're being tempted in, that you need to surrender and to get really honest with God about. Go back and read through the story of the Israelites in the desert with Moses. Go back and get an understanding of just how long God has been at this process of restoration in our lives. I want to call you into a time of prayer. Going to um, be grateful to take some time as the band lead us in worship this morning. And I really want you to think about this process of renewal. Because when we face with the temptation and we choose to trust God no matter the circumstances, that's when we can start to see our connection with God grow because we're allowing him to tear down our own will in our life and to rebuild his will in our life. And we encourage you today to ask God to do a renovation in your heart, in your spirit today. Be willing to walk in the change that God has for you. 
and let God transform your life. Let that outward change that God's doing in your life be visible for all to see. And I really want to encourage you just in these moments, if you have seen God's transformation in someone's life in this church, in this community of faith, I want to ask you to write an encouraging word for them in the chat. We're going to take just a moment to pray and to close out now. And I really invite you to step into this with your whole heart, with your whole mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the blessing of your word, Lord. I thank you that you have shown us the ways in which we can deal with the struggles and the temptations of this life. We thank you that you have given us Jesus, Lord, not only for sacrifice to make a relationship with you possible, but to also show us in so many practical ways how we can think about and respond to the challenges of this life. Thank you for our great role model and leader in Jesus Christ, Lord. I'm praying, Lord, for the hearts and the minds of the people today, praying for my heart and mind, Lord, to be surrendered to your will in my life. Lord, tear down the strongholds in my life. Tear down the works of the enemy in my life. In your name, Jesus, by your authority, in the lives of the people in our communities, Lord, in this church, Lord. Rebuild us. Do a renovation in our heart and mind, Lord, that we can, not by our own strength, but by your strength and example, Lord, overcome the temptations we face in this life. Lord, help us to settle this question in our hearts once and for all, that you are trustworthy, that you are good, that you are loving, and that you have us right where you want us to be. Lord, help us to find acceptance of your will for our lives. Help us to receive the love and the grace that you have for us, the great promises for our future, Lord. And please bless us this morning in your name, Jesus, as we step into worship and to thank you for all that you've done, for all that you're doing, and that all that is to come. Hallelujah.